Go to John 14, please. And Psalm 34. We'll look at Psalm 34 first. And then John 14. We've been on this for a few weeks now. And I want to continue. Don't feel like I'm through yet. You need to go till you get through. I'm talking about you. This is a principle of being spiritual. Don't change just to be changing. Go till you get through. How will you know you're through? You get a release. You're satisfied. Hmm? If you're not satisfied, keep going. If you don't feel like you're quite done, it's because you're not quite done. If you feel like there's more, you know why you feel that way? Because there's more. Psalmist said, deep calls unto deep. Don't stop dissatisfied. If it's not quite, it's not right. If it's just about, throw it out. (laughs) Make do. Won't do. They are with me now. Why are you saying this? Because he is the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you've asked or thought according to the power that's at work within you. When it's him, it's not almost ever in anything. Well, I was hoping we'd do better than this, but I guess we just need to be satisfied with what people think they're being humble and being ignorant. Never in the world has God told anybody, well, now you just be satisfied with this because this is the best I could do on short notice. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You got to remember who you're dealing with here. <laughs> if it doesn't satisfy your heart, if you feel like there's more or there's something better, then do not settle. Amen. It's because there is something more. There is something else. Keep looking. I know your flesh wants it right now, but don't let that lead you. Wait on Him. Get His best. Wait on Him. And when you see it, you'll know it. I said, when you see it, you'll know it. Because you go, oh, glory to God. That was beyond what I was thinking. Oh, Lord, you're too good. That's one of the reasons, ways you know it's the Lord. That's how he does it. He exceeds. Never come short. Ever. The enemy is a deceiver. He's very subtle. He's very tricky. And this is one of his techniques that he uses. If he can't get you to just quit and not do it, and he sees you're going to plow through and you're after it, then what he'll try to do as a backup position is to try to get you to accept a substitute. He'd rather you just quit and give up and get nothing. But if he can't get you to do that, then a fallback position is to get you to settle for less and accept a substitute and never know what you really missed. What did the Bible say? Go to James. Hold your places there. James chapter 1. Look at verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Now that's really different from crying and feeling bad. 
when you're going through stuff. What did he do? (laughs) This is radically different. And he didn't say try to do it. Knowing this, how could you be shouting when you're going through hard times? How could you do that? Because you know something. Knowing this, that the trying of it, this is not defeating my faith, it's just testing it. It's just trying it. And it's working my patience. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, we wanted it and thought we needed it last year. (laughs) And so it's trying our patience. But we not going to run out of patience. Uh, You hear a lot of Christians say, well, that's probably one of my weakest areas. I just, my patience is not very good. I, I run out and, listen, when you get to the end of your patience, that's also the end of your faith. Faith and patience work together. Remember scriptures that combine them together? Through faith and patience you inherit the promises. When your patience runs out, that is also the end of your faith. It's not enough to just believe God like a house of fire. You've got to believe God until. That's where the patience comes in. You've got to keep believing God until you see it. Till it's in front of you. Till you're wearing it. Well, Brother Keith, I've been believing God for three and a half years. Well, aren't you glad you got that behind you now? What do I do now? What do you think? Does the word still read the same? Well, if you're going to change, what are you going to change to? No, come on. Here it is right here. What do you say? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works. It didn't say it gave you patience. It works it. And that's all right. Let it work it. Let things work you out. Because that's how you get stronger. If you pass up every opportunity to exercise. And you never work out at all. You cannot get stronger. You have to take the opportunities to exercise. And work out. And if you forego every opportunity to exercise patience your patience will never develop if you throw up your hands and throw your stuff around and stomp out and you miss every opportunity to work out with your patience then your patience will always be puny and weak and you can't believe God long enough to get it done you believe God real strong for two weeks. And then you start panting. I'm just tired of doing this. I'm just, how much longer is it going to take? We're your little puny patience. And you'll quit. And you'll give up. And you'll get exactly the same thing. Believe in God for five weeks and quitting as if you hadn't believed God at all. You got to stay with it as long as it takes until 
That takes patience. Doesn't it? You always feel like staying with it? No, you don't. But you've got to get up and say, I'm not moved by what I feel. This is what the Word says. This is what I say. This is what I believe. Well, it's been a long time. So, what's a long time? And what did the Bible say? Let patience do what? Let patience have her perfect or complete work. Go all the way with it. Let it work it out. You're standing in long lines at the grocery store, at the Walmart, or Target, or wherever. Your flesh wants to be antsy and be rude and do all kind of stuff and fidget and fuss and fume. Say, look here. I got me an opportunity to work out right now. So I'm going to work my patience. What does that mean? It means no matter how antsy my flesh gets, I look cool as a cucumber in the refrigerator. Your flesh is wanting to jump up and cuss somebody, but you just go, hi. No, no, y'all go ahead. I know I've been standing here an hour, but that's all right. Y'all just, just come right on. No, we're fine. And your flesh is screaming, we are not fine. Get out of my way. I got a life. I got places to be. But no, you exercise. Come on, y'all with me? You you exercise your pain and you just smile and you go, okay. Another 30 minutes. All right. Okay. No problem. That's just fine. Do you understand? People are ruining their witnesses by flying off the handle and using bad language and and being pushy and demanding. You're sitting in traffic. You say, "Look here! Got an opportunity to work out." Exercise my patience and just make yourself be still and cool like you could stay there all day and be just fine. (laughs) I mean, you could stay there for three days and redeem the time, pray in the Spirit, Build yourself up. Check your heart. Get wisdom about what to do when you finally get out of here. (laughs) Have it all mapped out. Planned out. Ready. Recheck it ten times. (laughs) Doesn't that beat screaming out the window and blowing your horn and Acting like a heathen? (laughs) And find out when you finally get around the corner, you go to church with them. (laughs) And they sit behind you next Sunday morning. (laughs) This has happened. (laughs) This is one of the great keys 
to getting God's very best. And that is patience. You wait on God and you believe him and you stay with it as long as it takes. That's how, now this is not just my idea, that's how you wind up perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now if you yield to the flesh, you'll do something different, but put that flesh under, put that temper under. I mean put it under, hard. Put it under and keep it under and sit on it. And be patient no matter how you feel. And hang in there. Watch what God will do for you. Watch what he'll do for you. Thank you, Lord. Go to Psalms 34. I always have these plans of getting you out early. <laughs> I do. I know you may not believe it, but I think, yeah, man, I'll, I'll just zip, 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 and boom. They'll be surprised. <laughs> Psalm 34, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. Does he still hear people today? He heard me. and Tell me what happened. And he delivered me from all my fears. He delivered me from all my fears. If you've been delivered from all your fears, how much fear do you have left? None. Then you are fearless. You are fear free. That means you have no fear. And friend, if you really have no fear... You're ready to live. You're ready to do something for God. Fear will cripple you. Fear will limit you. Fear will bind you. There are people, Christians, believers, that are so full of fear, they can't leave their house. So full of fear, they can't leave town. They have to stay in a certain place. And So full of fear, they won't ride an airplane. They won't get on a ship. Uh, they won't drive outside of town. They're afraid they get very far. They won't have enough money to get back. Or, or whatever the case might be, fear will keep you from doing the will of God if you let it. But look in John uh, 14. John 14, Jesus had something to say about this. And we highly esteem His every word, don't we? Yes, we do. His words are life to us. And in John, the 14th chapter, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Did He leave? Yeah, did he leave his peace like he said he was going to? Yeah, he did. Who did he leave it with? Us, all of his believers and disciples. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Can you do that? Neither let it be afraid. I reminded myself, went back through the concordance, you know, to see. I, you know the Lord has said many times, fear not. Don't you? Don't be afraid. Didn't he say it? How many think he said it more than five times? Or 
or ten times? If he said it once, it'd be important. What if he said it ten times? What if he said it twenty times? Or fifty times? He said just in a cursory examination. I saw 63 times he specifically said, fear not. I saw another 28 times he said, be not afraid. And that was just a few minutes looking. Help me out here now. 63 times he said, fear not. Let's go over a little bit. Fear not. 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 Am I just carrying on or am I showing respect for every time he said it? That's just ten. Fear not. 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 That's just 20, right? Fear not. 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 The Lord said, fear not. 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 And then he said it some more. What's that, 40? He said it another 23 times. Fear not. 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 What do you think he wanted us to get? (laughs) Let's don't leave out the other. He said another 28 times, be not afraid. 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 afraid. Now these are not my words, are they? He could have said it twice if he wanted to. But it must be important. It must be extremely important. It must be critically important. It must be life and death important. Do you understand? Be not afraid. 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 Did he say try? Did he say do the best you can? What did he say? Why did he tell us all these times? Why? It's the difference between him being able to do something for us or the devil being able to do something to us. And yet, how many Christians are afraid? Even though he said it all these times, what percentage of the body of Christ, you reckon, is just full of fear? 
I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid that. I'm afraid not. I'm afraid so. I'm afraid. Oh, I'm afraid I couldn't do that. I'm afraid they will. I'm afraid they might. I'm afraid. Fear, Christians' daily vocabulary is just permeated with fear. People talk fear. Fear, fear, fear. We need to take this seriously, don't we? When the Lord says, fear not, what do you say? Yes, sir. No fearing from me. When the Lord says, be not afraid, what do you say? Yes, sir. I will not let myself be afraid. By your peace and grace and help, I won't. When he says, don't let your heart be troubled, what do you say? Yes, sir. What if you got grandkids that are in a mess? What if you got kids that are living like the devil? Surely it's okay to be scared for them. What if it looks like you might lose your life savings? I mean, it's reasonable, right? To be afraid. We have been commanded by the head of the church. And it's not like he didn't give us something to help us with it. He said, I'm going to give you my peace. The peace I have walked in on this earth. Here you go. Can't find this in the world. But I'm giving it to you. It's my very own peace. Here you go. Now, don't let your heart be afraid. Don't let yourself be troubled. Don't. What do you say? What do you say from the head of the church? Yes, sir. By your grace, I'll not be afraid another day of my life. Oh, that was weak, guys. That was weak. Why? Because people don't believe they can. They think, well, everybody gets afraid sometimes. As long as you believe that, you will be. You believe that more than you believe him. We got to believe him. We got to believe him. We got to believe that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I refuse to. I don't care if you got tears running down your face, if you got your hair standing up on the end, if you got goosebumps, if your knees are bumping together. In the middle of it, through it, you say, I refuse to fear. I refuse to yield to this. The greater one's inside me. I don't have to fear, and I don't. I won't. I will not. Isn't that what Psalm 23 says? I will not fear. Glory to God. So we've seen it. We've talked about it. And we've covered a lot of areas and looked at what happens when people yield to fear. Yielding and acting in faith allows God to work miracles in our life. But yielding and acting on fear opens the door to the devil to destroy us. The scripture says, you know, Job talks about, you know, the thing I feared greatly has come on me. Fear allows what you're afraid of to happen in your life. It draws it to you. If you really don't want it to happen, you must not be afraid. This has not been taught as much as it should be. But it's the truth. It's the Bible. It's always been this way. Now, Go with me in the Old Testament, please, this evening, to uh, 
Jeremiah, the 42nd chapter, we've seen how that because of fear, people lie. Because of fear, people hide things and cover things. Because of fear, people change. We saw how Saul got mean and became a deceiver and a murderer. And what was going on? He's afraid. He's afraid he's going to be left behind. He's afraid somebody else is going to get his job. He's afraid David's going to eclipse him. And he's afraid he's never going to be anointed again. He's afraid. And what happened to him? Exactly what he was afraid of came on him. We see it with the Israelites when they were delivered from Egypt's bondage. They were afraid they're going to die out there in the wilderness and never make it anywhere else. They were afraid. They got mad at Moses. They accused him. They rebelled against Moses and Aaron. They refused to do what God told them to do. Fear, fear and rebellion was at the heart of all of it. And what happened to them? Exactly what they were afraid of happened to them. They all died out there. They died young. They died in a dry, barren place. The Bible said, you know, God makes the solitary to dwell in families. But the rebellious will dwell in a dry land. So many times, well, you mark it down. People that are lonely, lonely, are fearful and rebellious. I know we don't like to say that. We don't like to think it. But the scripture says God puts the solitary in families. I don't care if you got no blood family left on the earth. You got family of God. And if you'll be a friend, you'll reap friends. Come on now. There's no reason for anybody to feel forsaken and desolate and alone. For one thing, you're never alone. You got Him with you. You got the greater one inside you. And if you'll be willing to help others, and if you'll not talk fear and not withdraw and not, you know, the very fear of somebody not liking me or somebody not including me will cause you to treat others badly. Are you with me now? The fear of losing somebody will cause you to grip too tight hmm? and not trust. And the very thing you're afraid of will happen to you. You'll lose. Oh, but when you have faith in God... You cast all your care over on Him. We which have believed do enter into rest. You trust God. What if they don't like me? Well, maybe they'll learn to like me. (laughs) What if they don't like me? Who said they had to? Everybody on the planet don't have to like you. It's not required to be saved. What if they don't accept me? What if I don't get to do this or that? Have faith in God that if that's not it, He's got something better. Have faith in God. When you really get in faith, you begin to be relaxed. We were talking about patience a few minutes ago. All of this goes together. People talk sometimes about midlife crisis. You know, men, women too. Been married for 20, 30, 40 years, leave each other. Run off, sell their house, and buy something crazy, and do something crazy. What's going on with them? Well, they're having a midlife crisis. Why? What's going on? What's the problem there? It's exactly what's going on with a two and a three year old. Why they don't want to go to sleep? 
Why don't they want to go to sleep? Huh? They're afraid they're going to miss something. So they'll, you know, they'll make themselves stay awake. They'll jump back up and go, I'm, I'm awake, I'm awake. Why? They're afraid they're going to miss something. And people get midway in their life and they go, maybe there's more out there than what I got. Maybe I'm missing something and I'm getting old and my life's going by and I might miss something. I might miss something. You keep thinking like that, you're going to miss something. You're going to lose what you got. And it's sad that some people have to lose what they got before they appreciate it. It's terrible. Sometimes they mess stuff up so bad they can't get it fixed. No. When you walk with the Lord and you see things right, you go, you know, I'm going to be around forever. So why do I need to get in such a hurry and a bind today? Because you know what's going to be going on a hundred years from now? I'm going to be around. And you know what's going to be going on a thousand years from now? I'll be there. (laughs) I'm sorry, but somebody needed that. They were... They were drifting. (laughs) This needs to be said. I know when my dad, my natural dad, went home to be with the Lord, I was troubled by it. He's not that old. And I had thought, you know, I was just beginning to be able to do a few things for him financially and materially. And I had thought, maybe we'll do this together. Maybe we'll get to do that together. We can have fun doing this or have fun doing that. And now he's gone to be with the Lord. And I don't have that opportunity anymore. And the enemy always wants to come and and try to get you to dwell on stuff like that and be negative. And the Lord corrected me. And I'm so glad he did. He spoke to my heart. I had two or three days that it troubled me. And then he spoke to my heart in the nighttime. He said, Keith, you're being unthankful. I said, sir, he said, you're being unthankful. Do you know how many hours I gave you with your dad? Tell me how many. I didn't know. I got out my calculator. It was a huge number. He said, a lot of people grow up and never even know their dad. And never have one they want to know. He said, you're being unthankful. I said, I repent, Lord. Forgive me. You've given me this huge amount. We've had great fellowship. We've had fun. We've done things together in the things of God. Thank you. Forgive me for thinking like that. He said, not only that, all these things you think you want to do with him? I said, yes. He said, who said you won't get to do them? (laughs) He said, your dad's not just in your past. He's in your future. Oh, glory to God. Makes you relax. I said it, you know, you see people so morbid and so dejected. I didn't get to tell them something. We didn't get to do that before they're gone. You're going to see them in about that quick. Tell them then. 
Breathe a sigh of relief for me, God. <sighs> Say it out loud. I'm going to be around. Forever. <laughs> when that's real to you, it helps you to slow down and enjoy life better. You just, you're not afraid you're going to miss something. And besides that, I have this great confidence in my God how much he loves me. He loves me so much and he loves you so much that if we'll just put forth any kind of an effort to try to follow him, he'll get us there. And he won't let us miss the big stuff. Do you trust him that much? Do you believe him? Now, if you're going to forsake him and not try to live for him, then yeah, you're going to miss it. And you can miss the big stuff. But if you'll try to follow him and just give him something to work with, pray once in a while, check in with him here and there, at least a little, he loves you so much. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. If you don't get it the first time, he'll tell you again. If you miss it on the first pass, he'll reroute you and let you pass it. I'm telling you, he is this good. And that your trust in him will cause you to breathe a sigh of relief and not be in fear that you're going to miss something. You got Jeremiah, but hold your place and go to 1 John. Let's read this before we read that. 1 John 4. You got Jeremiah 42. I think we're going there. We're not going to be afraid if we don't. <laughs> we're not afraid we're going to miss something. Said out loud, life, life is not passing me by. Not by. I'm not going to miss, gonna miss the, important the important things. The big things. The big things. God loves me so much. That he is faithful to cause me to enjoy every good thing, every important thing in his plan. If you love him and you trust him, you will rest in that and not be afraid. Can you trust him? Oh, like nobody else that ever existed. 1 John 4 and 18 says what? There is no fear in love for perfect love. And that, that word could also be translated complete, fully developed, mature love. Does what? When love is developed in you strong enough, it will expel fear from you. Do you believe this? Because what? Fear has torment. Now this, let this serve as a flag to you, as an indicator to you. In your own life, have you ever been tormented by anything? You know you have. Tormented. I might not do well on that. I might mess up. You know, if you call yourself a high achiever or overachiever, I think that's an erroneous term. But you want to do good. Well, you can be in fear that you're not going to make it that good. And that fear will cause you to be dull in your intellect. That fear will slow your reflexes. That fear will hinder your favor with other people. 
Did you hear me? I mean, it's a solid word of God. It's a proven scientific fact. You know, at the higher end of athletics and sports, you know, once a person's been trained for years and years, they have to try to tell them, quit trying so hard. Quit thinking it's so hard. Relax. Just let it happen. What do they mean by that? Quit being afraid. What do you mean you're trying so hard? Well, why would you be tense? You're fearful. You're afraid you're not going to quite get it. You're afraid you're going to come up short. Fear has what? Torment. And a child of God should have no torment in them. None. There should be no torment in you. No torment about you at all. What gets rid of the torment? Fully developed love. Love for him. And confidence in his love for me. Glory to God. His presence is here this evening. Does he love you? Say it out loud. He loves me. Oh, he loves me. What's happening when you're being tormented about something? You are not fully convinced that he loves you enough that he's going to care for you. Now let's examine this very practically and very without any facade. Why would a person lie when they could tell the truth? When they know the truth and they could easily tell the truth. But they don't. I'm talking about people of God. I'm talking about tongue talkers. I'm talking about churchgoers. Stand there and tell you a lie. Tell their wife a lie. Tell their husband a lie. Tell their kids a lie. Why? Why? Because they are afraid that they'll come out worse telling the truth and doing what the Lord told them to do then they will telling a lie. They'll be better off. They'll be safer. They'll come out better telling this lie than telling the truth. Is that true? Is it ever true? Never. Why would somebody steal something? I'm talking about church-going people. Saved people, tongue-talking people. Steal something at the job. Steal something. Why would they do it? They're afraid that if I try to sow a seed and wait for God to do it, it may never happen. And there it is right there. I can just take it. That way I'm sure I'm going to get it. They have more confidence in thievery than they do in faith in God. More confidence in a lie accomplishing what they want to get than in the truth. We're not talking about unbelievers. We're talking about churchgoers. Friend, this fear can ruin your life. Go to Jeremiah now. Tell me what fear does to you. Has torment. Torment you. You're tossing and turning on the bed. Tormented. Your stomachs are hurting you. Your heads are hurting you. Do I tell the truth or not tell the truth? Who said you had an option? What are you deliberating about? 
Who said a lie was ever an option? Man, when you commit to God, things get real simple. Don't they? (laughs) What am I going to say? Well, there ain't but one thing to say. (laughs) There is no option other than the truth. Tell me, if you don't go with the truth, what else can you go with? What else is there? If you reject the truth, what else is there to believe and say and do? Only lies. Jeremiah 42. Read with me carefully. I'll read it out loud. You follow along with your eyes. Then all the captains of the forces and Johanan, the son of Korea, and uh, Jezariah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least, even to the greatest, came near. And they said to Jeremiah the prophet, Let we beseech you our supplication be accepted before you and pray for us unto the Lord your God even for all this remnant for we are left but a few of many as your eyes do behold us that the Lord your God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. They came before the man of God. Now they wouldn't have come to him if they didn't have respect for him. They wouldn't have come to him if they didn't think he heard from God. They believe he hears from God. They've seen what's happened prior times in his life. They know God uses him. They know God speaks through him. Now today, we don't have to go to another man and say, you know, hear from God for me. All of us can go straight to him. But at the same time, sometimes he speaks through others to us. As well as directly. We need to respect all of it. But they went to him. And they humbled themselves before him and they asked him would you pray for us would you seek God for us and tell us what God says about what we should do and Jeremiah the prophet said to them I have heard you and behold I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words and it will come to pass that whatever thing the Lord shall answer you I will declare it to you and I will keep nothing back from you And then they said to Jeremiah, The Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not even according to all things for the which the Lord your God shall send to us. What are they saying? Whether it's good or whether it's evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. They said, Thank you. And whatever the Lord tells you, that's it. Whether we think it's what we wanted to do, or whether we think it's good for us, or whether we don't, we will do what the Lord tells you we're to do. He said, great. So he went off by himself. And the Bible said, verse 7, and it came to pass, after pacing the floor for 15 minutes, huh? after 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Then called he Johanan the son of Korea and all the captives of the forces which were with him and all the people from the least even to the greatest. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom you sent me to present your supplication before him. Here's what he said. I heard from him. He spoke to me. If you will still abide in this land... Then I will build you and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done to you. Be not afraid. That sound familiar? 
You know, it's hard to find a time where he spoke where he didn't put that in there somewhere. Why? It's not just God's way of saying howdy. Hi. Don't be scared now. (laughs) It is critical to his will coming to pass in our life that we not be afraid. He said, don't be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. (laughs) Be not afraid of him. Let's read that again carefully. Verse 11. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. How do you translate that? Quit. Quit. Stop it. Be not afraid of him, says the Lord. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. Now, I don't know if you've read the rest of this chapter or not, but why would he say this to them like this? Because this is what's going to make them or break them. The whole thing is hanging on this right here. Whether they're going to be afraid of their enemy or not. That's why he repeats it. I'm with you to save you, to deliver you from his hand. So don't be afraid of him, says the Lord. And I will show mercies to you that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. But if you say, no, we're not going to dwell in this land. We're not going to stay here. Neither will we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And you say, no, but we're going to go to Egypt where we won't see any war. And where we won't hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread. And we'll stay there. See, he knows they already got a plan. Don't he? And now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. If you wholly set your faces to enter to Egypt and to go to sojourn there, it'll come to pass that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine, wherever you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there you shall die. How much plainer can it get? The thing you're afraid of is going to happen to you. Now, why would it happen to them? This is what we started out on weeks ago, and we've come full circle. Why would all this bad stuff happen to them? Because they would have rejected the direction of the Lord, And allowed themselves to be led by fear. And he says you'll die there. So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go to Egypt to sojourn there. They'll die by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence. None of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I bring upon them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and fury has been poured out forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so shall my fury be poured forth upon you when you enter into Egypt, and you shall be an execration, an astonishment, a curse, a reproach, and you shall see this place no more. Was that God's will for him? No. Was that his plan for him? Did he want that to happen to him? No. Did he tell him what to do? What did he tell him to do? Stay here. Stay right here. I'll protect you. I'm with you. I'll bless you. I'll prosper you. Stay right here. The Lord has said concerning you, O you remnant of Judah, go you not to Egypt. 
No, certainly I have admonished you this day. For you dissembled in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God. And you said, pray for us to the Lord our God. And according to all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare to us and we'll do it. And now I have this day declared it to you. And you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for the which he sent me to you. Now therefore, no, certainly you'll die by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence, in the place where you desire to go and sojourn. And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the people all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, even all these words, then spake Azariah the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the proud men. And they said to Jeremiah, You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, Go not to Egypt to sojourn there. Now what would cause you To go to the Lord and plead with him to give you direction and show you what to do. And he tells you as plain as day. And then you say, "Uh uh-uh. No, we're not going to do that. What would cause somebody to do that? Fear. Fear. What held the children of Israel, out of the promised land. What kept them out? Was it the giants? Was it the iron chariots? Was it the huge walls? What kept them out? Fear. And their fear was coupled with rebellion. They were afraid. They said, we can't do it. We can't do it. So we won't do it. We don't believe we'll do it. We, if we go up there, they'll just kill us. And it caused them to wander around in a dry, desolate place for 40 years. And they died out there young and never did the will of God. And it wasn't the will of God. And you shouldn't even give the credit to the devil. Tell me what kept them out. Tell me what held them out. Fear. So here's the question. Is fear going to hold us out? Hmm? When the Lord tells us what to do, a lot of folks say, boy, I want the Lord to talk to me. Are you sure you're ready? (laughs) Oh, Lord, show me what to do. Oh, Lord, give us the plan. Oh, give us the plan. Show us what to do. We've prayed this at church. We've called out. A lot of folk have not heard some things out of the mercy of God. Because if they heard it, you know, in the current situation and condition, they just go, ah, oh. I could, ooh, I could never, oh, ah, no, Lord, you don't want me, oh, no, no, I've got God, I just do what I do, I'm just me, I'm just, and now you're responsible, because you've heard the word of the Lord. I don't believe we're a bunch that just plays church. I don't believe we're a bunch that's content to be religious. And just come have services and that's it. Do you? I think there really are among us. Those that are hungry. And want to go beyond just being a believer. And be a real disciple of the Lord. I believe there are those many among us. That are willing to do anything. Willing to stay here forever. Willing to go to the Father's corner of the world. And never see this place again. Either one. Willing to give it all. Do it all, lay it all down, 
Go as far as it takes. As long as it takes. But to do it, you'll have to overcome this giant. What? Fear. Your own fear. Fear always says we can't. Fear always says there's no way. It's too big. It's too hard. There's no way. And so it has torment. It's tormented. I can't. We can't. It's too much. It's too hard. It's too big. It's too long. It's too far away. It's too much. None of that's in the Bible. Let me remind you what the Bible says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. All things are possible with God and possible to him or her that believes. When fear tries to grip you. When it tries to choke your words and make you say, I can't, I don't know how. Bite your tongue. And swallow and say, I can. I can. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. How many are ready? Do you think you're ready? For the next part of God's plan for your life. Something more. Stand up on your feet. You're too comfortable. Stand up. God has a plan. Days are clicking by, aren't they? Our life's passing by. We're just here for a few days. We just got a few breaths left. In a few more days, nobody will know or ever care throughout eternity how much money we made. Did you hear me? How nice our grass looked when we cut it. How many fish we caught or how well we did playing golf. Nobody will ever, ever care. Or no. Not to say you can't have some fun here and there. But we're not on the planet just to have fun. We're down here. This is work time. This is get the job done time. God has a plan for us. God has a plan for us. It's coming. It's being unfolded. My heart yearns. For my people. My family. I've seen people just in recent times. Blow it. And miss opportunities. And show that they're not ready. They got called for little jobs. Little responsibilities. And didn't do it. And wouldn't do it. This is not good. It means God can't give you something bigger. You're proving. It'd scare you silly. It's proving that you're too busy. You don't have the time. You got a life. You got other things. But friend, it's moving forward either way. I said it's moving forward either way. And every man and woman for themselves has to decide, am I going to be the one, one of the ones going forward? Am I willing? You know, we spent weeks around here talking about being a disciple, didn't we? It's not for the faint of heart. It's for those willing to lay everything down. And when it's kingdom business, when it's time to do something for the things of the Lord and the people of the Lord, nothing else matters. Nothing else no personal thing, no family thing, no business thing, nothing else matters. 
And God will grace you. How many people in business have noticed this in the time that you've been doing this, that when you put God first and put your business or whatever on the back, that God takes care of your business. He'll make it up to you. Have you said, I see hands everywhere. He'll make it up to you. But when you put your stuff first, because you're afraid about doing it or letting it go or walking away from it, then your fear will come on you. And the lack and the shortage will come. Hallelujah. Play something for us. Let's put our minds on the Lord for a moment. Let me lead you in a prayer. Father, we love you. With all our hearts. All our soul. All our mind. All our strength. Forgive us. For yielding to fear. Letting fear lead us. Letting fear control us. At any place or any time in the past. We repent. Forgive us for allowing fear to hold us back from following you fully. Obeying you completely. Stepping out. Doing everything that you told us to do. By your grace. We will not let fear keep us in bondage or hold us back. By your grace, we will be bold and of good courage and obey you fully. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.